Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. Joining you as always from the beautiful city of Vancouver is myself, Mark Hamilton. Joining me as always is Mr. Mark Daly. My friend, the summer break is finally over and unfortunately this one was a bit of a grind partly i think because we were expecting some really really exciting news uh some driver changes some announcements for 2022 unfortunately it didn't happen but i think one of the things that made this summer break a little bit more unique relative to what we experienced over the last decade is we go into the second half and we have a championship that hasn't been decided my friend welcome back how was your summer break it was absolutely fantastic. And summer break, that is the phrase of literally the month because summer has broken here in the Pacific Northwest. It's been cold. It's been wet. It's been gloomy. It feels like October. And I'm ready to scream at the first person that complains that Vancouver's gone back to doing what it does best and that's rain, but it's all good. Anyways, we're not alone tonight. Uh, for those of you joining us on the YouTube live stream, you can see another face up there in the corner. And that is Mr. Josh Cooper. Josh is a staff editor, editor, pardon me, for the Athletic NHL. He has worked in sports media since way back in 2005. He's covered the NHL since 2010, starting as the Tennessean's Nashville Predators beat reporter and then becoming an, L, an editor in LA for Yahoo's Puck Daddy blog. He's also covered three Olympics games, Athens, Torino, and Vancouver, working for their organizing committees, and go Crimson Tide, University of Alabama football for the Decatur Daily. Josh graduated from Vanderbilt University in 2005, majoring in European history and minoring in English, has held internships with the Nashville Predators, the Birmingham News, and Baseball America. He also thinks that Cobra Kai is the greatest TV show ever made, and Agreed. I cannot disagree with that. And wow, welcome to the show, Josh. Uh, it's great to finally meet you in person. Normally people pick and choose things from the bio. You read the whole thing. Wow, that's uh, that's commitment right there. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. I mean, that is a very, very impressive resume. I mean, and very cool, of, uh, of course, the connection into Vancouver. You were here for 2010 working for Vanock. And uh, you can see here, completely coincidentally, I've got my Vancouver 2010 on hat on because I got out of the shower and I did put any, uh, you know, I did put anything in, but it worked out great. But uh, it's awesome, man. Some of you will be thinking, you know, why the heck do you have a hockey writer on the podcast? But we're going to get to that because we've kind of been um, unofficially what we've become, like the, the home of Generation DTS. And that's where, where Josh comes into it. And this is really cool. We were introduced by a, a mutual acquaintance, a mutual colleague. And uh, Josh, I mean, I don't want to steal your thunder. And I mean, you're basically brand new to the sport and you've gone all in. I love it. So so why did you pick it up from there? 
So I want to say four or five months ago, Alex Faust, who is the voice of the LA Kings, told me he was binge watching the what he I think was referred to as the Formula One docuseries on Netflix. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'll just watch it. And my wife and I clicked on the first episode. And there they are in the Australian Outback with Daniel Ricardo. And obviously, we're all pretty much locked down. We can't really go anywhere. And I... Immediately, I'm like, oh, wow, this is great quality. Uh, and I like it made me kind of want to go to Australia and just and then it just kind of started there. And then you start hearing the personalities and you start kind of hearing what the drivers are saying. And it just and the team principles and it just eventually sort of got to the point where I would just turn to my wife and I'm like, you know, if I could get a driver or not a driver, just any interview subject like in their loosest, like easiest setting. And they would never say the things that these guys mm -hmm. are saying. I mean, you have drivers bashing teams, teams like bashing drivers. You have everyone bashing each other, but being brutally honest, <laughs> like also, which is really all you ever want as a reporter. And on top of that, they're doing it with in these beautiful locations and all this money. And I mean, we both got so incredibly into it like very quickly. And on top of that, I mean, no pun intended. And then on top of that, uh, we have a son who's almost four years old and a daughter who's almost one. And we're up super early on Sunday mornings. And our son, when he watches sports, he asks questions. It's not like I'm flipping on, uh, you know, the latest Disney movie and he just sits there just staring blank faced and not really thinking. It's like he's asking questions about the drivers. He's asking questions about different things and he loves cars. And so we were, it just became a very easy thing to do to just turn on the latest Grand Prix on Sunday mornings and just watch with him. And uh, it, it eventually got to the point where I can't remember what was Father's Day. I want to say it wasn't Silverstone. I can't remember what it was, but I remember on Father's Day waking up and just being like, I have to sprint downstairs and check out what's going on because, because <laughs> I slept in. Uh, and I was really, really upset at like my wife for letting me sleep in a bit that day because I really, really wanted to watch whatever was on TV, like for from an F one perspective yeah. that morning. Um, and I, I mean, it's just it's it's really it's something that uh, I, I wish every single sports entity could do. Many have tried. I don't think, I don't want to say none have been as successful as this because, I mean, look, like, I, I know everyone loves Hard Knocks. I don't watch Hard Knocks. Um, I know a lot of people have watched, um, shoot, what's, I'm trying to remember the HBO, um, it's funny, Hockey did it, uh, it's like the Road to the Winter Classic. Um, and I, yeah. I was sort of into it, but also by covering hockey, I was a little bit too close to it. So for me, it wasn't quite as interesting, though I am looking forward to the Amazon series that they're going to be doing this year with the Maple Leafs. I think that's going to be super fascinating. But like nobody has really, at least in my opinion, captured the imagination of a group of sports fans and created converts in the way that this series has. And I mean, as I said, like it's an entire family endeavor in my household now. And uh, my, I, I mean, like, like my wife and I don't watch sports together. In fact, like I don't really ever watch sports because yeah. sports is my work. 
Um, I watch hockey every now and then, but like, but like for the most part, I don't really watch sports in my leisure time. The only sports she and I watch together is Vanderbilt baseball because we both went to Vanderbilt University in Nashville. But I, we are just into F1 and my son's into F1 and like, I'll come upstairs and like, I found these, you know, all like a few of these model cars on, uh, on Amazon and like, he'll be racing like his Lewis Hamilton car and his Max Verstappen car. And I'm like, Oh, you know, is Lewis going to you know, keep his line or is Max going to turn in on him? Um, <laughs> um, you know, but, but yeah, like it's just, there's just so much goodness in there. And, and, and there's, and also, and we can get into this too, like just people on the show, they just ooze personality. And I said that they're just so authentic and look, I don't know if, and I, I think one of the th- the other thing too, is that it's incredibly, and you, you all, you both been following motorsport for much longer than I have and covering it, but there's, you know, it's mm-hmm. fresh and it's new and it's untainted. And I think, and, you know, and, and I hope it stays untainted in a lot of ways. I know that that's pretty impossible when it comes to any sport, but everything just seems just, it's just, it's wonderful escapist sports programming. And you can now pair it with the real thing that comes on on a weekend. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, a couple of things. First of all, big props for you guys getting up to watch the races live because we're all on the West Coast. Yeah, and and I have to be, you know, I, I'm completely upfront and transparent about this. D- but despite West being Coast, basically West a lifelong Coast. Formula One fan, I mean, I grew up with it. I don't get to watch the races live on a weekend. I'm not a morning person. I mean, I could stay up and do an all nighter, but apart from the races that we get in North America and some of like the Asian races that will come on at like midnight or one a.m. or something like that on the West Coast, those are the ones that I'll typically stay up for. But all the European ones, I typically just PVR them and watch them afterwards. But you know what you're just saying about the, the the genuineness, I guess if you want to call it that, of Drive to Survive. As somebody, and you'll know this as yourself as being a journalist and you know covered as as you know as much as uh, that you have in the course of your career, is that most of the time when you interact with these athletes, it's like in a media scrum. You get your two three questions, you get your sound bite, you get the comments you're, you're looking for. So occasionally, if you're doing a longer feature, maybe you get to sit down with an athlete for a bit of a longer one on one, but. You know, my experience that, you know, and it depends too, completely on the person you're dealing with, whether, I mean, some of it's just part of the job and it's just something that they have to do. And it's just like, get me in, get, get me out of there. And then I'm on to the next thing. And some of them, they're a little bit more into it. And some of them are just naturally awkward. Some of them aren't. And so just to see that how well it worked from basically all the drivers and everybody involved and you know everybody seemed very natural there wasn't one that was a bit of a stick in the mud was very impressive and again just the way it was so immersive the only other program series that i can think of that that even comes remotely close would be netflix's the last dance the you know the one where they follow the chicago bulls because i'll I'll be honest i watched that one watched that whole series and that was for me like almost like a time machine i felt like i was transported back you know 20 years years to the late 90s and i think that one was kind of interesting too because you got jordan you got rodman you got like you've got you got personalities in there and i think you know that's why part of the reason that uh, that series went uh, was well because name recognition as well but the drive to survive is such an interesting 
what I want to say, a, a phenomena. I mean, it has really exploded onto the scene and it is like, like there's so many people like yourself that a year ago didn't know what Formula One was or did or just weren't completely interested in it. And and one of my best friends, he's from, from Mexico and he's he's been in Canada for about like 15 years now. I mean, he's diehard soccer guy. That That's all that he watches. It's Liga MX, it's the European leagues, it's, it's MLS. He works for uh, EA Sports for the FIFA franchise. So I mean, I mean, soccer is basically his life. And of course, like so many of us have over the past 18 months, have found so much time on our hands sitting at home. He started watching Drive to Survive. And, you know, now I'm getting texts from him like uh, on race weekends. And we were talking about stuff like that. We're talking about like race strategies and what's going to happen this week. And, you know, why is that guy such a jerk? And all, all these. And it's just amazing how people have really, really dialed into it. It's, it's such a cool thing to see. Well, and the thing too is, you know, you mentioned just us having a lot of time on our hands. And I think I alluded to the fact that obviously we're not going a lot of places right now. The episode where I want to say was they open up, it wasn't, they weren't opening up with Carlos Sainz in Mallorca, but it was like pretty quick after they opened up. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, I, I feel like I'm sitting here with him in Mallorca, like drinking Rioja and just like, like having this d- delicious Spanish ham and and just like remember reminiscing about like a trip to Spain I took when I was 18 years old. Growing up really big, uh, went to races in Loudoun, Nazareth, uh, watched the Indy 500 with my parents. Everyone one to a degree, but wasn't like as huge a fan back then because weirdly as a kid, you're not your attention span is so short. I liked oval racing. I didn't like the road racing. And so for me, it was more. It was more so. I just wasn't as into it because I was. I just didn't like the fact there was. I didn't feel like there was enough passing, um, and I felt like IndyCar just seemed to figure that out better. And then the open wheel split happened, and then I went to college, and then I stopped paying attention to everything, uh, as most people do when they go to college, uh, and only started paying attention to Vanderbilt sports uh, when that happened. But uh, but just. You know, it was already kind of there for me. And there's actually, there's a funny picture of me as a kid wearing a Marlboro Team Penske hat. And it's funny, it's really funny thinking of like, you know, looking at a picture of me as like an eight or nine year old wearing a Marlboro something um, (laughs) in today's day and age. Like, yeah, (laughs) I know. I just like, and and it was, it was just what things were back then, but. I know, right? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed car racing as a kid, uh, but like not F1 racing. And now it's completely the other way around. Like I'm just all in on F1. I love the road courses. I'm so excited for Spa. Like right now, my weather like .com app is like where I live, which is in Cypress, California and Spa, Belgium. Like that is basically, I've been reading all the weather reports and like trying to figure out there's going to be rain, which would be horrifying um, on that course. But uh, which is weird that I'm now speaking about that, like I'm an expert, which I'm in no way, shape or form, but like watching DTS, you just see, and obviously there were some tragic consequences at the course in recent years, but like just seeing (laughs) the crazy speed that they carry through that course and just the terrain changes. Um, but yeah, like I'm just so, so into watching all this stuff now um, again. And it's, it's, it's really, I mean, I think personally it's, you know, uh, Mark Dale, you mentioned 
the, the Last Dance. I think what was great about that was that tapped into nostalgia. But I think what's so cool about this is that we're watching history play out with this incredible with this incredible championship battle right now. And we're all. Mm-hmm. I, I just remember after watching Silverstone, just thinking, "Wow, the Drive to Survive episode from this is going to be lit." Yeah, you know. And then you know you go to Turkey, and then it gets even crazier there. Um, and I, I, it's yeah. Like I mean, like we just we know that, and maybe this just puts a lot of pressure on Box to Box and Netflix to really put together a great a great series for next season. And I wonder if they're thinking about it as well as the success has really ballooned. But, uh, but yeah, but I, I, I think that we're watching it happen and we're getting really excited about it. And that's what's so fantastic too, about the series. You know, it's really cool. You, you make that great uh, observation about how we're watching it play out in real time. And it's, you know, Mark and I, we've talked about it quite a few times. Uh, not only we're we watching this play out in real time, that this history as, you know, it, it is, and then going back and being able to revisit it, but what we constantly talk about is it's cool to see the sport expanding and growing the way that it is, especially here at home, because it's, it's kind of uh, funny because I, I, I made the comment, I was out on the, the patio a couple of months ago doing some barbecuing and I see this guy go walk down the street on the other side of the road from us wearing a Red Bull t-shirt. And I, I said, I felt like running over there and giving the guy a hug, you know, social distancing and everything, you know, applying and all that and the awkwardness that that would entail. But it, it's kind of funny. It's I've gotten to this point that there's all these new fans coming in. I find myself thinking, guys, where have you been all this time? Rather than, you know, maybe, you know, it's your your favorite indie band from college that's gone big time now. It's like, oh, I don't want everybody to listen to them that was my that's but you know now that everybody's getting into formula one and and i know mark feels the same way is that we're just so excited to see the sport growing here in north america yeah and josh you made a really great point a couple of minutes ago which i kind of want to circle around to which is your wife's engaged and and obviously for your wife drive to survive was a conduit to get her interested in the sport and the same for your son and i'd read a stat a couple of days ago that suggested that 77% of the new fans to Formula One are in that really, really healthy 16 to 35 demo, right? Like we talk all the time about, hey, baseball might draw big numbers on TV in the dog days of summer, but that's not a good demo. That's that 50 plus 55 plus 60 year old audience. That's why you see so many lawn care commercials when you're watching baseball during the dog days of summer. But Formula One through Drive to Survive has really tapped into this really vibrant young demo. From your perspective, what is it about Drive to Survive that was so compelling for for your family, for your wife, your son? You know, you spoke to the fact you have some motorsports background. You're a big sports guy. You cover it. Like this, this is this is your profession. But for the other members of your family, what do you think was so compelling about Drive to Survive for them? Well, we showed my son this big movie called Cars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> About uh, two years ago, and sadly, it's the only movie that we watch <laughs> in my house is, is Cars, oh, Cars Two, and Cars Three. Uh, <laughs> and so that's, but 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 that's why that was kind of his entryway into Formula One so it was through watching Cars. And the other thing too is it's easy for us to turn on with him because there's no commercials. And just not having to, like, we tried to watch the Music City Grand Prix with him a few weeks ago. And we were just like, oh, you know, this is Nashville. This is where mommy and daddy met. And 
there were just so many caution flags and F1's just got it figured out where how they handle like accidents, how they handle commercials, uh, how they, it's, it's almost, it's the perfect thing to watch on television. And so with, with him, it was just a really easy thing to figure out where he liked the movie cars. He liked watching cars. He likes watching things go fast. It's like when one of our biggest activities is we go to the, the, the Long Beach airport and watch planes take off. I mean, that's like, that, that actually no time. But he also watches planes, which didn't really make it quite as big as cars did. Uh, and it, it, for whatever reason, it just never made. And we can't find any any paraphernalia from the movie planes. But um, but that's neither here nor there. But like, any, but anyway, but he he just likes anything that moves super quickly. And so like, and also I'm pretty sure that in some of his cars books, like there is a character called Lewis Hamilton. And I think, I, I don't know if like, if in any of like the cars videos, like Lewis Hamilton voices the character or not, but he does, he does. Oh, okay. Well, there, well, there you go. Like he, he, I guess he was in what the cars too. Was that what it would have been? Oh, yep. okay. <laughs> See, this is how much I pay attention to cars too, because that one, the plot is comp- parents. If you're listening, do not watch. Do not watch that with your kids. It's so confusing. <laughs> it, involves, like, it involves like things about alternative fuel and lemon cars and spy plot sub twists. Just just watch the racing. And it kind of sounds like Formula One, to be honest. Yes, I, <laughs> the Bernie era Formula One. I did follow the Sebastian Vettel caper. Of, you know, I mean, as I said, like I'm new to this, so for me that was like. Well, I don't understand what's the big deal about the leaders of fuel. And I, I kept trying to trying to find as much as I could on it and really listening to you guys helped explain it to me perfectly. So thank you for that. Um, but uh, but it, it was just really easy for him. Like he loved the movie cars. So it was easy for him to watch. Um, and with, you know, as I said, with me, I don't watch a lot of sports on my downtime with my wife. I really don't. Um, and as I said, we watch Vanderbilt baseball. She's a sports fan, but it's just kind of when you're, when you're older and you're married and you have kids, you just watch the sports that really impact you as, as a family. And so for us, that was Vanderbilt baseball. And I think through watching drive to survive, like first off with our son being into cars and getting up so early on Sundays, it was really easy to turn on formula one. And then it went from that to, well, like I turned to my wife and I go, well, Sarah, Alex Faust told me about this Formula One docuseries. Let's let's do this. And I think once you get past all the Haas drama and like the first few episodes, which I, I really actually kind of got sick of uh, eventually because <laughs> um, I was just kind of like, OK, like I get it, you know, but I, I may be American, but I really don't care about the American team yeah. that much. Like, let's talk about the other team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I think we really, really got into it. And nothing against you know the Haas team or the Haas drivers of that time. I, mean, I, I really like the personalities and I would love to see Roman Grosjean do really, really well in, in, uh, in IndyCar. But I, I, think, I think that once we got really into it and we started watching the races, I, I think that's, we just really found a good, again, like no pun intended groove. There's so many racing like puns, by the way, that you use in, in regular speak, I don't know how many times you hear this on your podcast. I'm guessing they know. Pun we do it all the time. So feel free to drop them in. You know, you're, you're perfectly at home and welcome to do so. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's how it all just 
it all really, really happened. And I, I think just, as I said, the personalities were, were just so engaging and they're almost, and, and keep in mind when I'm talking from my perspective and our perspective, they're almost kind of like movie characters to us mm-hmm. in a lot of weird ways. Like, so my wife, she goes, oh, Daniel Ricardo, he reminds me a lot of Adam Sandler. And lo and behold, out there. I, I didn't, I didn't know that. I mean, it's, and it's, just, and then we find out Christian Horner's married to Jerry Hallowell. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah. That's really fascinating. I mean, like Max Verstappen, like, and again, these people are all incredibly successful. They're amazing at what they do. Um, and I'm not like kind of trying to knock them down anyway. He reminds me very much of kind of like a Bond villain, which is how he <laughs> operates, his look, um, the accent, how he talks, like total wolf. Like is just a character, yeah. and so is Horner too, for that matter. Um, like, and I mean this in the best possible way. And it's just, it's addictive almost, just watching yeah. them and just be themselves, be super authentic. And um, and on top of it all, I mean, this guy does such a great job. Like, we love the analysis of Will Buxton yeah. on Drive to Survive. He's just, he's like the perfect commentator for that show, right. and he's so good. And he's just, he's great with just kind of creating this level of drama with how he gets interviewed and how he just narrates things. Um, and it, it just works really, really perfectly, I think, overall. I, I, I probably like repeated myself as something I said earlier. I don't know if I answered the question completely, but I just really love this show. Uh, I, I mean, we're actually watching it for the second time right now because we've enjoyed it so much. Uh, you know, the, now, now's the perfect time to make the disclaimer that we're in no way sponsored by uh, Box to Box Films or, <laughs> or Netflix, but, you know, it really is cool. And, uh, you know, I've gone back and watched them uh, over again uh, a couple of times uh, myself. And uh, w- when I saw the the official announcement this week that season four is coming out, I was just like, well, I, I can't wait. And I sure hope that they, and I'm sure they picked up on this because, when they they announced that they were going to drop that season about a week or so before the start of this uh, this uh, 2021 season it became okay that this goes into the calendar as soon as this is available to stream and, and mark and i we, we binged it we binged it like in, in a day and then we came on and we did a uh, basically a reaction show as, as soon as we finished watching it got to the point where we're messing each other back and forth on whatsapp it's like bro are you done yet and it's just yeah. like no i got one more he's like i got two more to go and it's yep. just like okay as soon as you're done then we're we're, we're doing doing this thing it was awesome it was so much fun to to go through and watch it and relive that season and then come online and then it's just uh, it, it is just really the, the, the whole phenomenon like i mentioned off the top here was just really really you know fascinating to see it just a mushroom and explode but guys we're, we're kind of late for a break here we're going to take uh you know just take a, a brief pause here when we come back we're going to pick up on it and i, I want to delve into some of the things that have really captured your imagination not just as a sports fan but also maybe as a sports journalist and some of the different things that uh, you've picked up uh, on uh, over the course of the season. So we'll do that in just a moment. So guys, don't go away. We will be right back after the short message from our sponsors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, 
eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, well, welcome back to the program. Again, you're with Mr. Mark Daly and Mr. Mark Hamilton. And joining us tonight from The Athletic is Mr. Josh Cooper. You can find him on Twitter at Joshua Cooper. And, you know, we have to talk about, or you mentioned about the the, the, the motor racing puns in the previous seg- segment, Josh. And I'm going to hate myself for asking this question, but I just can't help myself. But by any chance, do you have a nickname for one of your kids as Mini Cooper? I mean, come on, please. Yeah. <laughs> Mark is rolling his eyes, but uh, I, I'm sorry. I had to ask that one. Funny you should ask that, actually. So uh, the theme of my wife's baby shower for our first child was mini Coopers. Like, oh, cool. There, oh, yeah. There were like tons of like minis that were that were there. We obviously, because of COVID, didn't have a sprinkle or whatever for the second one. But yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, like it was it was mini Coopers <laughs> for, for, for the first one. Yeah. True story. My my grandmother, uh, you know, my my dad is from London, and my grandmother, when she had to downsize and move out of her house, she had I think it was like a 1967 Mini. It wasn't a Cooper. It was just a Mini, and it was something. It had something ridiculous on it. It had something like under twenty thousand original miles on this car. It was like literally driven by the old lady to the shops and back on on the weekends and a couple times a week. And uh, you know, we we like, when she moved out, like I I I, I wanted that car so bad i wanted to see i was looking into how much it would cost to import it and stuff like that but it was uh it was really really cool and it, it had only one bit of damage on it because my granddad's golf clubs fell off uh, the the side they hung them up and put a, a bit of a dent in the side but other than that it was perfect anyway so we were talking uh, obviously and this is how we got connected um you know through a uh, you know, mutual uh, you know colleague of ours and he'd mentioned of course and you've told the story how you've become such a, a big uh, formula one fan and we've kind of heard that story now i wanted to talk more about what you've sort of picked up on as not just a sports fan but somebody that covers professional sports what are some of the things the storylines or maybe some of the i guess some of the personalities that have really jumped out at you and what are maybe some of the stories or maybe some of the um I guess the history of Formula One that kind of makes you go to your phone and, and check some of these things out when, when, you know, when you have the time. The funny thing is, so we'll watch this at night. And by the way, you guys are definitely cutting into our drive to survive rewatch time. So thanks a lot. Um, but uh, like, well, at, at the end of each episode, honestly, I will Google everything I can about 
like anything like LM Prost or, uh, you know, the, the Renault team and what their deal is or like what happened to Williams. And cause also like I, I have this institutional, not, I don't want to say institutional, but I have knowledge as a kid of watching, say, you know, the Williams team with Damon Hill and Nigel Mansell and, and such as a kid. And so it's like, wow, how far have they fallen and how did that happen? Um, and so then I'm like, a lot of my sort of process is, is catching up uh, on, on all this. But I mean, as far as just the storylines and characters, I think the team principles are just, they are the stars of the show. Whether they Netflix meant for that to be the case, I have no idea. Um, I think that the biggest thing that happened with the show, in my opinion, was just adding, like getting Mercedes and Ferrari to comply, specifically Mercedes, because the Total Wolf versus Christian Horner, Horner dynamic is just, I love it. Like, I cannot get enough of that. And I can't get enough of Christian Horner and Total Wolf. Um, there was a joke that my wife and I had that we were, for Halloween, I was going to be Christian Horner. She was going to be Gary Hallowell. <laughs> and our son was oh, I love it. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it was, uh, I, I, I don't know who our daughter would be. Good God. Um, like she's so young, like she's like, she's in this and doesn't even realize that she's like involved in any of this. It's just, it's like, it's basically it's your older child's world until the young, until the youngest can start talking and, and has a personality of their own, I feel like. But, but anyway, um, you know, I just love watching the back and forth between them. I just love the personalities and, the personalities of the drivers too. I mean, I know that it's when you go back and watch the early episodes, so much of it is Haas centric and a lot of it is Daniel Ricardo centric. And I, I like what they did to kind of bring in more Lewis Hamilton, more Ferrari, um, a bit more of the kind of Alex Albon, Pierre Gasly situation, which obviously now like Checo Perez is, is driving that car. So I'm, Red Bull, so I'm fascinated to see how they handle that for this upcoming season. But uh, you know, I, I to me the 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 principles are the people that really stand out, and to me it's it's those two who really, I mean, from what I can gather, and tell me if I'm wrong, um, are the two real alphas of uh, in regards to team principles go of the series, um, and I I really. I personally enjoy watching them. I mean, Zach Brown is, I find very fascinating. Um, I think I jokingly messaged you all before the podcast that <laughs> I'm all in on Lando Norris. Why? How? I have no idea. He's my favorite driver. I, I, I can't really explain, maybe because he just seems so not like what I totally a Formula One driver to be like. And here he is just consistently being fast and awesome every week. Um, I, I don't know, like, and I just always loved McLaren as a kid, as far as I just thought they were, when I did watch Formula One, I thought they were the coolest cars. I think they have the coolest sports cars. Mm -hmm. Living in LA, you see a lot of McLarens. Um, and I mean, they obviously have the cool car doors that go up. So I, I mean, for me, I, I think that's why, but ultimately I just think, there's just a lot of really cool personalities. And as I mentioned earlier, for me, they are personalities. They are stars. Like the fact that they actually are incredible drivers with amazing depth perception that have the courage to break so deep, like right, or I guess go so far, 
straight and then break like basically right before a corner and trust their car to do that mm-hmm. is just icing on the cake for me. Um, and I, I think the personalities, again, no pun intended, drive the show. Uh, and then the fact that they're incredible at what they do and also the money too that's involved in this. No other sport in North America yeah. has this type of money. Uh, yeah. it, just, it just adds another level and component yeah. to it that is super enjoyable and fascinating and interesting for all of us to watch. Josh, I want to add something because I I think you've tapped into a really interesting vein of conversation here, which is one of the things that Drive to Survive has been so successful at is tapping into the personality of the drivers. And, you know, if we flash back to 2016, and this is an era of Formula One that Mark and I, of course, very much familiar with, Bernie Eccleston ran the sport. And I get criticized sometimes for exaggerating or embellishing a little bit, but there was a sliver of Donald Sterling and Marge Schott in... (laughs) in Bernie Eccleston. And for for all the right reasons, it was time for him to move on and there was an opportunity. And I think we're all the better for it because I think Formula One came in and they recognized that there were some really significant opportunities with with this sport. And they really had a a two, three, four, five-pronged digital strategy to grow the sport. And one of the things that Bernie had done, which was really problematic, was he had not embraced digital media. He basically banned drivers from participating in social media, which is just one of the most one of the most crazy concepts that you can imagine in the 2016-2017 era. But there's, there's shots of Lewis Hamilton historically where he would have a stack of memos from Formula One um, slapping him on the wrist for daring to post something on social media about Formula One or, or to post a comment from the garage. And Bernie's perspective on all of this was everything needs to be behind a big iron paywall and people need to pay for content. And Liberty's approach is, no, 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 no. Let's blow that paywall wide open and make the content accessible and embrace digital media. We've seen that through social media. We've seen that with the F1 TV Pro app. And I think probably most prominently, we've seen it with Drive to Survive. And I love your comment about the personalities perspective, because even for Mark and I, who have watched Formula One and covered Formula One for so long, we had a sense of what the drivers were like, but never, never did we have this level of insight into their personalities and their characters and their interests. Like even for us who have been following the sport for 20, 30 years, I, I had no I had no relationship with these drivers. And I feel like because of Drive to Survive, I have a relationship with these drivers that I've never had before. And and it's interesting because you make that great point about Daniel Ricciardo. Early on, when we would kind of survey our American listeners, who are the bulk of our audience, overwhelmingly, everyone loved Ricciardo. But now, curiously, everyone, overwhelmingly, our American audience is in love with Lando Norris for the same reason that you spoke to. So I think if, if no other kind of accomplishments. And I think there's many drive to survive, unlocked personalities. People develop a relationship with these people that they may never meet. And then they're invested in them come the race weekend. And then the way that the calendar is built in formula one is you have 21, 22, 23 races. It's not a huge commitment to be a formula one fan (laughs) on average. You tune in once every two weeks in the morning, it's two hours and you're set. It's not like the NHL or major league baseball where it's 82 or 162 games. You have to be committed to every single year. It just, it feels like the digital strategy that Liberty has embarked on has been been really good. And, you know, I think one of the questions I had for you, and obviously you have extensive experience covering North American pro sports, whether it's the NHL, um, whether it's your experience with college football, 
From your perspective, give us your thoughts on the way that F1 is covered from the broadcast itself to what you see from a coverage perspective in the media. I'd be really curious to, to know what your thoughts are on how the sport's covered, both on TV and in the media. Well, uh, first off, it, I, I think you know one of the things that I, as I've been trying to catch up to speed on, on F1 is just learning about different drivers and what people thought of them beforehand. And tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, it, it seems like Sebastian Vettel was somewhat of a mystery to a lot of people. Or a villain, I mean, is or that, even a villain. Yeah, even and, and I mean, since I've been paying attention and watching, he seems like nothing but like the nicest guy with a great personality. I mean, we watched, you mentioned the digital strategy. We watched that whole, uh, was it quiz the grid or grill the grid? Brilliant. Thing. Yeah. And when he was able to name every champion, I, I like, we, we thought that was the funniest thing, but it was so cool. And like, you know, and covering hockey players, there are some hockey players who are quote unquote nerds like that, who just love everything about the sport and can probably name almost every Stanley Cup champion or hard trophy winner or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that their, their strategy is, is really good. And, and I think that they're able to really, they're like, they're able to, in a lot of ways, just, just take this, these personalities and what they do really well is they give you enough they don't give you everything. I think when you know too much about guys, then not that it's a problem, but then you just, it's just too, you, you just want to peek. You just want enough to kind of know who they are, what they are, what makes them tick, um, the money that they have. I mean, it's like, I, I honestly, I love the the Instagram post from summer break by all the, all the guys because it, it was like, it was incredible just watching their vacations because they're all so rich and they're all in these ridiculous locations. And and on top of it all, there's, there's a little cheesiness to it. Like for example, like Max Verstappen on his Red Bull, like, you know, Sea-Doo or whatever, like, like just flying in the air, like on the, <laughs> you know, Mediterranean, would it be the Mediterranean? I have no idea. Like, I, I, I assume that's where he is. Uh, I mean, who knows? I, I, I didn't follow where Max Verstappen went for summer break, but I, I assume it was someplace amazing. But I, I mean, there's, I, I, I think it's just super fascinating to, to just, I mean, they've, they've done a really good job at, at being able at giving us enough of a peek into this, into this window of kind of like this sort of lifestyle they lead um, not going too deep, but deep enough to where we want to be with them. And you mentioned Lando, maybe the biggest thing with him is just the relatability factor. He just seems like the type of guy you want to sit down and have a beer with um, or just like, it's play video games with or whatever. He totally. just totally, I mean, is he down to earth? Is he that nice? I have no idea, but he comes across that way. And, and also, and I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this yet, but my wife and I used to watch the bachelor all the time. That was our go-to reality TV programming. This in some ways has replaced that. And I do think, for example, I'm curious as to how some drivers get edited, for example, and you, you two being based mm -hmm. in Canada, I'm curious about the take on the edit Lance Stroll gets because we watch 
And it's like, oh, Esteban Ocon is this driver of humble means who got replaced <laughs> by rich kid Lance Stroll. And, you know, because his daddy bought the team when really and like the only thing that we got about Lance as a driver was Will Buxton saying, well, Lance can be fast. And like that was it. Like, <laughs> like it was really not like it was like he's like there's a good driver underneath that helmet. And but like but that was it. There wasn't much else to it. So it kind of paints Lance as a bit of a villain, whether he is or isn't. I have no idea. But then you look at the list of drivers, how a lot of them yep. got their start. A lot of them do come from money. Not all of them, you know, start from very humble beginnings. And and I think that's a case. I'm not saying that Box to Box or Netflix did Lance Stroll dirty by any stretch of the imagination, but a lot of the there's a lot of questions that have to come into and in, in regards to how the edit goes with a lot of these guys. But also, I, I think what makes it so great too is you know someone and I know I've kind of I don't want to say ripped on Haas a bit, but just kind of poke fun at the fact that they seem to be at front and center at the beginning of the show. Um, there's something to a guy like Gunther Steiner saying like, Oh, I don't care if there's microphones here. Like, so what? Um, like I'm going to be myself and whatever. Um, and, and I think that that's what all makes it work so well is that they're not giving you too much. They have a lot of editorial power. They're telling a story and really like, I mean, there, there is a story to be told in the sense of Lance's dad bought, uh, Force India, Esteban Ocon's Force from the team. Lance gets the seat. Um, and this is really like the perception, whether it's real or not, how they're telling the story. And we as watchers have to decide, but u- ultimately it's fantastic theater. Um, and then mm-hmm. getting uh, Lawrence Stroll up there when everyone was ripping on Racing Point and their design for the 2020 car and just basically like, sending a message to everyone. Like these are, again, these are things I didn't see happening and I can't imagine what it was like actually watching it. And I don't know if Netflix makes it seem more dramatic or not, but they just like, it just seems like the most fascinating world ever. And these are things again, that like I could never imagine in hockey, like, like players and stuff, they come out and they say some really outlandish things every now and then, but ultimately they walk it back. Nothing gets walked back in this sport. Yeah, absolutely yeah. nothing. Yep. And it's just they yeah, lean into it's, every it's comment. And it's just it's just and like drivers openly can't stand each other. Um, like teammates can't stand each other. I've heard you guys talk about you know Nico Rosberg versus Lewis Hamilton on the same team. I mean, and and I don't even know if Netflix really went that as deep into that as they could have. Like we just watched the episode of that recently and yeah. It didn't because there was they were doing the Valtteri Bottas episode and it was about how you know uh, it's how Valtteri Bottas is a great number two for Lewis Hamilton because basically they're implying he's never going to beat him unlike Nico Rosberg who was basically almost his equal. I I, I mean there's just it, it's 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 good it's great theater like it really is I'll just, and they've done a really good job of that. Sorry, I was just going to say, and I, I want to circle back to this because you asked, a, you kind of asked a question there about Lance Stroll and how he's covered in Canada. It's really interesting when you look at the actual TV numbers for Formula One in Canada. They're astonishing. Like people are excited about the numbers in the U.S. seven, eight, nine hundred thousand people 
one event, maybe a million. In Canada, we regularly pull four, five, six hundred thousand, despite the fact that we have one tenth the population. But and Mark, I don't know if you agree with me on this one. I feel like the networks in this country do Formula One a total disservice. Um, we talk about yeah, this totally all agree. the time. TSN, which is the yep. broadcaster, they still insert ads regularly throughout the broadcast. So it's at the wrong moments. Always ads? at the wrong yeah. moments. And we even we've tweeted about this a couple of times. TSN, which is the network that not only now broadcasts uh, Formula One in Canada, but now actually hosts the race in Montreal because their parent company, Bell, bought the rights to host the race in Montreal. The social media ads that they've been running until even just a few weeks ago was a photo of Lance Stroll with his eyes closed wearing a Racing Point <laughs> outfit. Like it's, it's crazy, like yeah. the disservice they do to the sport. And despite all of that, we get these monster numbers. So I don't think that the networks have done done their due diligence covering the sport. Yeah. So if you talk to the casual sports fan here, they wouldn't have a perspective because nobody's informed them. If they're a diehard F1 fan, they're probably getting their news from Mark and myself and other podcasts and British press and yeah. things like that. But yeah, up here, the, the media has absolutely done the sports uh, a disservice. Mark, would you agree? I would. And uh, before I respond to that, I'd just like to jump in really quickly and take another break. And we'll, we'll pick this up because this, is, I think, is a really interesting thread totally. to pull on. And we'll do so in just a moment. So uh, don't go away. We'll be back after this short message. All right. Well, welcome back to the show again. You're listening to the podcast as always up to speed with Formula One with Mr. Mark Hamilton and Mr. Mark Daly and special guest Josh Cooper from The Athletic. We're talking all about uh, Formula One and guys, and just uh, going back to what we were talking about in the previous segment. And I, I don't know if this is just silly me or cynical me or wishful thinking me, but when you were talking about, um, you know, Josh, you brought this up, the whole, the stroll situation, I couldn't help but thinking, and this is just my own take on this and not uh, me speaking, obviously, for box-to-box films, but they have to be secretly wishing and hoping for the day that Lawrence gets sick and tired of Lance not being able to deliver and has to fire his own son from the team. You know they want to make that episode. You know, I mean, that would be that would be something. I mean, I'm being a little bit kind of silly, of course, but uh, I think that would be perfect. I mean, they missed out on the Rosberg and Hamilton saga, but th- that would be one that I think would, would go in some part to make up for that. I I would be, I mean, it could happen this year. I mean, we've already been treated to this, like, you know, once in a, it seems like once in a generation championship fight, <laughs> like, I mean, it, it could happen this year. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's really, yeah, it, it's, I, I, I mean, they see, I mean, Lawrence Stroll seems like such a huge personality. And I know that they mentioned that a lot on Drive to Survive, but at least watching it, it seems like it to me. And Lance doesn't seem to have that. That's not to say that he's he's a bad race car driver by any stretch of the imagination. But, I mean, it, he doesn't seem, at least at how they make him appear on the show, anything like his dad. So, I mean, right. I, I'm sure a lot totally of Drive to Survive watchers would probably be pumped if that happened. Only because, again, this is how he's been edited. Now, granted, is it reality? I don't know. But he doesn't come across great on that show. Yeah, you know 
It's funny because when I see Lance, you know, my my take is that he seems like any regular 20-year-old kid that you would see almost anywhere. And when I see Lawrence, I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, that's the guy that like started his first company when he was five and like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, started trading shit. Yeah. You know, like like when he was seven. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, I think they're they're very, very different to... different people and different personalities i should i, I should base by the way kind of pull an nhl um player right now and i'll walk back to the comment i made a couple of minutes ago in here when i talk about the media doing the sport a disservice i'm talking about the major networks we have a friend of the show tim haraney he tries to do as much work as possible for tsn he does a great job but i think institutionally there's a real lacking up here and one of the things i've been really fascinated to watch down south and this is going to kind of lead into the next question is i've been very interested in watching how ESPN has invested in the sport, even before they were covering it, because until recently, of course, it was an NBC product. But I've been very curious. And I think one of the things that Mark and I thought was found most interesting was when they broadcast Formula One in the US, there's no commercial breaks. They're they're not overlaying commercials. They're giving you the raw, unedited, unedited broadcast, which to your earlier point, makes it attractive for a broader audience. But I've also been watching how they package up and create supplementary content to to support the programming and you can see espn's got some podcasts going they've got some editorial content they're actually publishing news articles i thought that's been really interesting from from your perspective and this is a dangerous pathway to go down because i think sometimes the perceptions of americans is you know what we take something from another part of the world and we try to make it our own and we try to twist it to fit into a kind of our american box but from your perspective what are some of the things that would truly benefit F1 in terms of its trajectory and its its growth story. And, and likewise, what are some things that maybe American sports and sports leagues could learn from, from Formula One? Well, I think one of the things to me personally is, is trying to figure out a way to get rid of commercials as much as possible. I know that that's probably yeah. impossible uh, in regards to other sports leagues. I think it's, it just makes watching so easy. And on top of all that, I, I, it's, as I said, it's probably impossible to do that, but I, I really, it's something that, but, but also too, I think part of it too, is the fact that you have a race that is continuously going on. It's not like say like a hockey game where you, you really do need those TV timeouts or an NBA game where you need those TV timeouts or a football game where you need the two minute warning. I, I think that, uh, just so players can get, get a rest. Like the cars are not going, the cars don't need a breather. Like basically like they need to keep going. And, and, and that, that's, I think what makes it so easy to watch. And in some ways that's a lot like soccer where there are also are no commercial breaks. So, um, you know, I, I think in, in some respects, my generation and my kids' generations are going to be spoiled just from the streaming element of things where they're, are fewer commercial breaks than, than say non-streaming. I mean, it's like, if he turns on say any sort of TV show, uh, like it just goes right to the next episode right away. Like there's no, like, for example, for me, at the second that Muppets were over, like, like my day started basically Muppets or Sesame street or whatever I was watching (laughs) X-Men, Spider-Man, whatever. Like it was like, my day was going. So, um, you know, that would be a great thing to take, but I also know that that's, that's really hard. Um, for me, it, I, I think just, and I think a lot of sports leagues, and I don't know if F1 takes this from other sports leagues or sports leagues take this from F1 or if they can do it vice versa, but 
I think just the overall quality of camera angles, maybe. Um, I I think that's fantastic. I think in car in car cameras have always have been in motorsports forever. I think they work exceptionally well. Um, but you know, I don't know. I think every league is different. I think I think the NHL, for example, the sport I cover, does a great job with a lot of what they do broadcast wise with a lot of the different camera angles. Um, I think that, and, and, and on top of that, I, I think what works really well for, there's just a lot of things that work really well for them that I don't think it worked really well for Formula One. Like, I think what really made uh, the last Grand Prix, um, I, I think what made it really well was having Nico Rosberg in the booth. Um, and I, and really in the NHL or NFL or whatever, they already have guys who are, big names doing broadcasts like the NFL. They have Tony Romo, who it's very, it was very similar to actually watching Tony Romo do an NFL broadcast. I thought totally, maybe maybe you guys even mentioned that on your podcast. You probably did. And I'm probably just like (laughs) taking that right now, but, uh, but it was, it was, he did a great job. Um, So I don't really know what you can take, you know, for in regards to other sports or what you can take from F1 to other sports. I mean, as I said, for me, the biggest thing is the commercial stuff. I think the the biggest thing to me, though, the absolute biggest thing is supplementing the show with this incredible behind the scenes docudrama. And and I don't know if any other sport can really do it the way they do it, because other sports don't have the money that Formula One has. Other sports don't race in the same location locations that formula one races other athletes don't all live in monaco or or you know or the off you know in the coast of spain or you know an incredible australian yeah. location or wherever daniel ricardo lives like wherever they show him or oxfordshire england <laughs> or they're not all married to ginger spice i mean like like it's 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 not it's not quite the same and it's these incredible baked in things that formula one has um, that they've been able to kind of tap into with Drive to Survive, and almost in some respects, like the actual race is is a supplement to it, to me at least to Drive to Survive in some ways because there's so much drama on that show. I mean, geez, yeah. they can make it like 20 episodes instead of 10 episodes for all I care at this point, or however many episodes you have, or however many races you have. You know, it's funny too because uh, just the way that it is sort of perc- percolating up through the, the the popular culture. And I think Mark mentioned it on the show a couple of weeks ago how JJ Watt was talking about Formula One, and may- maybe this is my own mis uh, you know misconception about maybe or, or stereotypes when it comes to football players or something like that. But I, I didn't really expect to hear those sorts of comments or a guy like JJ Watt talking about Formula One. But at the same time, I'm like, hey, this is actually really cool that, you know, an athlete, a football player with the profile and 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 the popularity like JJ Watt is talking about Formula One. I thought it was it was something that was it was unexpected. And I guess, uh, you know, as a Formula One fan, but also a a, a football fan, a sports fan in general, I thought it was also pretty cool and almost a little bit surreal. I thought it was a really neat moment. It's like how you said when you saw the the, the guy wearing the Red Bull shirt across the street from you is like you know your favorite band from high school hitting big. <laughs> I think we all said we're Cobra Kai fans here. I mean, I remember like we binged it on YouTube Red within the span of a few days, <laughs> and we're telling everyone about it and nobody would buy youtube red we got the free 
trial and then quickly deleted it. But but then when it hit Netflix, all of a sudden everyone's like, you hear about the show Cobra Kai? And I'm like, oh, have I heard about the show Cobra Kai? Let's talk about Cobra Kai. And it's it's kind of the same thing with with Drive and Survive. I mean, I found, but you know, I I found with, and and I've been, and by the way, the other thing too, I think Netflix's quality is unparalleled versus other streaming services. I think they all do great job, a great job in different mm-hmm. ways. But I mean, I bought my dad Netflix for Absolutely. I want to say it was either his birthday or Father's Day. I can't recall what it was, but I definitely bought him Netflix at some point in the last few months. And because I think they're great at the on location element of things, and they're really good at that. But but in regards to Cobra Kai, it was really easy to get my friends to watch Cobra Kai. It hasn't been so easy to get them to watch this, despite the fact that like they're like, it's like basically when it's like, when I'm telling them to watch something, they're like, oh, it's just Cooper is obsessed with this new show again. But it's like, but then when you bring my wife in on it, it's like, oh wow, like she even likes it. Like that yeah. thing. Um, and we both love both shows, but this has been a harder thing to get people to watch, which I find fascinating because it's easier to watch than Cobra Kai in some respects, because it's just, it's watching car racing in beautiful locations. Um, and that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like I, as much as I love Cobra Kai, like this is just an easier thing to watch. So, uh, so I, I, I don't know, but I, I, I think, um, you know, I don't even remember what the original question was. We've been going, we've been speaking so much to this show and also to F1 just in general that I, I mean, I, I think, I think that this is the ultimate thing that, that kind of pushes them over the top versus, or, or helps them versus other sports leagues and has brought in other sports fans. And you, you mentioned JJ Watt um, and love to get your opinion on this is that I remember when I covered the Nashville Predators and one of the reasons why the Predators ended up in Nashville and not another location from what I was told was that there was this cross section apparently of NASCAR fans and hockey fans hmm. or contact sport fans. And I don't understand. I don't quite grasp that, but, or like it just it sounded really interesting to me. I don't know if there's a contact sport thing that goes with auto racing because of the crashes or anything else, but I remember hearing that, and I thought that was a real fascinating take. Yeah, I, I've I've never heard that one to before. To be quite honest with you, Josh, but that uh, that that is fascinating. I've always kind of wondered how Nashville got um, got an NHL team because I mean, from a Canadian point of view, it doesn't seem like your traditional hockey market. Although it's it's obviously you know done very well there. And I mean, it, it's uh, sort of stood the test of time, but it really is interesting. But just kind of going back to the point you were making about uh, just the quality of the program. But I think that's, uh, I think a lot of the the series and programs and movies that Netflix develops on their own are different and, you know, quite, you know, more often than not better than a lot of the other burgeoning and growing streaming platforms are. I mean, I can just the one series or program I think that's really captured our imagination away from that that isn't a Netflix product would have to be The Mandalorian. So true. And I mean, I, my, you know, we're, we're big Star Wars fans in, in our house, but that was, you know, basically two seasons of or it was basically a, a movie oh, that's uh, sort of been, uh, you know, 
I guess, expanded into two seasons worth of, uh, of, of TV shows and potentially more. Right. But it, uh, yeah, it, it really is a fascinating thing. I, I did want to start kind of moving away into some of the more, um, you know, current formula one news and you know it is kind of uh, interesting because the first one is you know i'm i'm not being well i guess i'm kind of being silly mark uh, tonight because the uh, <laughs> it's kind of related and obviously it, it has a lot to do with what we've been talking about but also this week uh formula or sorry formula one yes uh i am correct here saying that uh, they uh, <laughs> released their trailer for the michael schumacher doc that's going to drop on september 15th and you know, I was a big uh, Michael fan back in the day, in my early 20s, when he was, you know, in his prime. I was living in Holland. I was living in Europe. I mean, so all of us, we were always cheering for Michael. So, like, watching a lot of this, you know, footage really bought, brought back some really, um, it brought back the feels, let's put it that way. So, really looking forward to seeing that one. And then also this week, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, that uh, they've also confirmed that Season 4 for Drive to Survive is uh, coming out. And, uh, yeah, re- really looking forward to the dog. And um, although I don't want to say it's it's a missed opportunity, but I, I think that they could have definitely, if they, it was possible, I don't know what the with the you know the production and everything like that, and the, the timing on that side. But it just seems that with this three and a half week break that we've had in between races here, that dropping that thing in the beginning of August would have been a lot better for our Jones than dropping it in the middle of September. But it is what it is, right? Mark, I I couldn't agree with you more. That was that was the overwhelming sentiment tonight when we were doing our traditional Thursday night spaces chat was how could they miss that opportunity? You have a captive audience that's hungry for Formula One in the middle of a tremendous championship, but you drop it in September, which is not only the beginning of the NFL season, you have NHL training camp, you have NBA training camp, uh, kids are going back to school. It's, it's such a bad time. That said, one of our listeners that was on the show tonight or on the spaces chat tonight, Meg, made a really great point. And I think if I unpack her comments correctly, she was really speaking to the fact that the Schumacher documentary is maybe less for you and me, but it's more for the generation DTS crowd, because these are folks that know Michael Schumacher. They know the lore, they know the legacy. They don't know him and they never had the opportunity to watch him race. They don't know his personality. And I think what I'm most excited about one, I want to see it because I'm hungry for anything that's produced in the world of formula one. But I think the documentary is really targeted towards Josh and and other folks that are new to formula one, because it's going to help open up this window into the world of a driver that they know, because this is a name that's mentioned so frequently, but maybe didn't ever have the opportunity to see drive and certainly doesn't know his personality. Well, one of the smartest things I think that, and again, we've mentioned Netflix so much and lauded their praises so much that I hope we get tons of box-to-box swag. And <laughs> swag uh, one of the smartest things I think they could do, and they did this with Karate Kid stuff after they bought Cobra Kai, is buy every single thing that you can show on Formula One and put it on Netflix. Like we watched Rush during the break. Like we had never seen Rush. We watched a movie called Go-Karts, which is filmed in Australia. Yeah, which it was basically Go-Karts, like Karate Kid, even right down to like the bad guy, like feeling good for the good guy at the end. It was like the Johnny Lawrence moment. Um, but it was, it was ridiculous, but like in a great way. But uh, you mentioned the Schumacher documentary. Yes, like it's a thousand percent for Generation DTS, but... I think the real, you mentioned missed opportunities. I think they should get Senna. I can't get Senna anywhere. 
I mean, like it it was recently on uh, Amazon really Prime. At least it was up here in Canada. I don't know if it uh, it is. I, I mean, I've got it upstairs on DVD. If anybody wants to oh. to, to to borrow that, but yeah, I, I mean, joking aside, within the last year, I know it was on Prime, but uh, I haven't seen it recently. And again, this is done by the same guys as Box to Box. And I, I mentioned it last week because uh, you know our, our friend Matt Sakaris was on the, the the show with us last week, and and I mentioned it that I've gone through and I've I've watched it because my brother gave it to me for my birthday or something years and years ago and I, i've watched it and you know you get this this overview of his whole life his career and you get to that 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 horrible weekend at imola 94 and i can't get past that I've it just it, you know it. i just it gets it's it's too emotional Neither it's just I. um it just it's it's too much right but it um definitely i mean if you can find it anywhere uh, it's it's definitely worth a look um you know, it used to be on Netflix. It used to be on Prime, and who knows? Sometimes they disappear from the catalog, and then it pops up uh, again six months or a year down the road. So that's something I think you just have to search up uh, occasionally. I don't know if you can maybe rent it or buy it through like the the Apple Store or something like that. Uh, sometimes you can, but uh, yeah. It looks. I, I was just doing a little bit of half-assed internet research in the background to cop a phrase from uh, from the the Ringer Network, but it looks like it is available on Prime in the U.S. and Canada at the moment. And it is interesting cool. though that Josh makes a great point that if I'm Netflix, I want to do everything I can to surround Drive to Survive with like similar content. And I'm surprised that was never something they were able to pull, especially since James Gay Reese, who is one of the producers of Senna, is also part of the box to box films company that there's a direct connection there, but very, very excited about uh, the Schumacher documentary. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is another one which uh, this this is a more a more to do with the racing itself. Now, Total Wolf says that he believes that uh, Mercedes has what he calls a university campus feel about it amid uh, a bunch of uh, F1 or new hires into the team. I was kind of wondering where there are a bunch of people going to frat houses and playing hacky sack in, in the lunchroom or something. But uh, <laughs> joking aside, I mean, they, they have been going uh, through some uh, changes there. And Toto had to say, quote, a successful sports team is not something that you can freeze as a static organization, but it's something that needs to evolve because it needs to adapt. It is a mixture between seniority and young enthusiasm enthusiasm and curiosity our team has always reinvented itself when i go through the company i still see the faces from all the people that have been here from the very beginning and so many young men and women sometimes it seems like university campus to me which is great seeing the next generation of leaders coming up and there's so much performance that's brought into the development by this next generation that is something nice to experience personally and as an organization end quote now my takeaway like uh, from this is you know if i'm anybody other than mercedes I'm feeling a little bit nervous as maybe anybody that isn't a, a Patriots fan might feel when they hear Bill Belichick talking about how you got all these new TV people into the organization and they're going to win another 14 Super Bowls in the next 15 years or something like that. But uh, <laughs> interesting, though, to see that, um, you know, in this era of the cost cap and the team's been downsizing, that uh, there are a bunch of uh, new faces coming in. I mean, let's face it. I mean, it's a closed world. People do move around. But I was a little bit surprised to hear this news, especially in light of the fact that uh, these teams have been shedding people here and there just to keep the the, the numbers where they need to be in the uh, on the balance sheet, right? Definitely, Josh. Question for you because 
Mark, I love mm-hmm. this story. And I think one of the things that I find really interesting about it, and Josh kind of commented on this earlier, that one of the things that can be appealing for people about F1 is it's just so big and it's so logistically heavy and it's so rich from a monetary perspective. And we've talked about this before that the smallest Formula One team has 200 people on its campus. Force India, <laughs> Force India, Aston Martin came into the year, 400 people. They plan to scale the 800. We know Mercedes has 1,200 people working in that team. So you talk about supervisory positions and management positions and growth opportunities. Josh, knowing your your familiarity with North American sports, how would that compare to, for instance, an NHL team? Like we obviously know there's a roster of players and the coaching staff, but how many people would typically work in an NHL team in some sort of support front office capacity? And how would that compare to a Formula One team when we're talking about four, eight, 1,200 people? have to unmute sorry what i find really interesting about that and and it's funny mark daly when when you mentioned toto wolf and talking about your corporate culture all i i remember his first line was like we have a blame-free culture here at mercedes (laughs) and 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 like we my wife and i saw like an imperfection somewhere in the house we were trying to like figure out who caused it between like the four humans living here and i was just like you know, we have to have a blame-free culture here in the Cooper. <laughs> yeah, but you know, just to, just to jump in here, Josh. You know, having kids in my in my house as well as as well as Mark does. There, there's no such thing as chasing perfection in a house full of kids. Let, let's just put it there and put, please continue. Well, we need we need more Toto speeches about war planning. And planning. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That, hearing that, I was just like, I, I was like, really? <laughs> but 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 that's also what makes it great. But uh, was is yeah. hearing these comparisons that he makes, but uh, like I, I think what I find really fascinating, and you mentioned just the Mercedes campus and all the all the people there, is there are NHL teams specifically that they. I mean, there I there is a salary cap in the NHL as far as players go, but from what I I know, there's there's really no cap in regards to say how much you can spend in a coach, how much you can spend on support staff. Uh, you know, some teams I'm quite sure. And I, I, I don't, I haven't been on the road with a hockey team for a while, but I mean, some teams stay at nicer hotels than other teams. I mean, some teams just have right. lusher surroundings and, or it gets around the league. It's like, if you really want to like have, have a real cush kind of lifestyle then play for this team. And uh, as far as teams go, it's like, if, if you want to really invest in your team and your product and the teams that generally do, uh, tend to do really well. And the teams that invest smartly also tend to do very well. I mean, you mentioned Force India. And I, I think one of the things they mentioned on Drive to Survive is how well they invested in their product and didn't just throw a ton of money at everything. I think that there's a lot of sports teams that do that as well. The Tampa Bay Rays were one, for example, that uh, always were, were and still are really, really good at doing that. Um, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning or a team in the NHL, yes, their owner has a lot of money, but he also invests very, very, very smartly in, in different elements. And so in, in a lot of ways, they're kind of like the Mercedes of <laughs> the NHL, just kind of like, I mean, even though the Lakers, it helps a lot that they have LeBron James uh, or that the Bucks have Giannis, I'm sure that they, well, I don't know so much about the Bucks, but I know I'm sure the Lakers spent a ton of money on various things that they can sure. do and control that can really and can't control it can really help them probably similar to how Mercedes are yeah, yeah 
Hey guys, I want to take one more uh, quick break here, and then when we come back, uh, you know, Josh, I know you're really stoked and looking forward towards uh, the, the the Belgian Grand Prix, which we all are this weekend because we finally get back to racing, and we promised we weren't going to keep you all night, so we'll do that. We'll do one more segment. We'll look ahead to the uh, Belgian Grand Prix at Spa Francorchamps. We'll do that in just a moment. So, guys, don't go away. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to the show. And uh, yes, it's getting to that time of night where we're getting close to turning off the lights and locking all the doors and everything. But before we do that, Josh Cooper from The Athletic joins us for one more segment. We're going to talk now specifically about the Belgian Grand Prix. And it feels really good to start talking about action on the track now. As much as I've enjoyed the summer break and the opportunity for myself to get out of town and just relax around the house when, you know, I wasn't on the road. I am really looking forward to the race again. I mean, it's Thursday night here on the West Coast, so we are literally only just hours away from FP1. Qualifying's just around the corner, and Spa really is one of those classic tracks. It's in the Ardennes in Belgium. It's really out in the middle of nowhere. It's going to be a very, very pro-max for Stappen crowd because as the crow flies, it's not really all that far from Holland. You can get there in a couple of hours. Although the track itself, you know, being out in the middle of nowhere makes it uh, not quite so easy to, to get to on race day. But it is one of the longer tracks that we see. And it's got some iconic corners like Eau Rouge. And we've seen many, many memorable races there. And last year was, um, well, I mean, it was a, an interesting race. I think the one thing that really stands out was the big crash that involved jo- uh, George Russell. What was it? Uh, what was was it, um, uh, gosh, uh, I'm dropping, forgetting names here. Uh, Giovinazzi, wasn't it? Uh, if I have memory serves correct. Yeah. And uh, as far as we saw, it was a front row lockout and qualifying for Mercedes. It was a one, two finish for Mercedes with Hamilton and Bottas and then Max in P3. And this really is now an opportunity, I think, to see where these teams kind of line up against one another. We've seen a lot of drama over the last uh, couple, several races. We've seen Max's lead evaporate in the Drivers' Championship. We've seen Red Bull's lead in the Constructors' Championship evaporate over the past couple of races. If you're Max, if you're Christian Horner, if you're Red Bull, you're praying for a race where something doesn't happen to your car, that uh, you know, you're not going to have a uh, significant damage, you're not going to be forced out of the race and you're not going to be having to take penalties for, you know, power unit changes and things like that. And again, on the other side now, or a little bit further down the pit lane, you have a Mercedes who have shown some signs of, well, I mean, they, there's been signs of life there all season, of course, but they've been able to close that gap between themselves and Red Bull. But I almost wonder if it's been a bit of a false indicator considering the fact that uh, Red Bull have been a non-factor over the past uh, couple of races. I'd love to hear from both of you guys what you're looking forward to this uh, weekend some of the different uh well i mean there's a lot of storylines josh uh, first of all uh you uh what are you looking forward to or what what is maybe one burning question that's on your mind going to to belgium this weekend i really want to see just how max verstappen responds to everything that's happened to him after the last two races i just you know, it, it seems this is where you can really test your championship medal is you were knocked out by Hamilton. 
and um, in Silverstone. The last race just did not go very well for him. Obviously, it damaged the car early on, was able to bring it home. I think this is his real chance to punch back. I know that's very cliche. I know it's probably a very obvious storyline, but when you have a really great championship fight between two incredible drivers like Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, that's just what it boils down to. And I think that this weekend we'll learn a lot about the Red Bull team. We'll learn a lot about what Max Verstappen has and we'll see if he can really stand up to Lewis Hamilton and bounce back. I do from the races I've seen this year, I think Red Bulls have the superior car. They've seemed to have had the superior car, superior team just in general. Um, and I think every athlete reaches a point where they're young enough to still have the best of their faculties, but they're old enough to just understand what they shouldn't do. And I think Max is approaching that level right now. And I'm curious to see, even at such a young age that he's at, and I'm curious, I think we all know he has the ability to be a world champion, but I think that this is the weekend where we find out if he really has that, even though after this, there'll still be a lot of races left, allegedly. Um, <laughs> I, 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 the big I question still, in 2021, how many races are we going to get and how are we going to get canceled because uh, of the pandemic, right? How, how many will be held in Texas? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, that was another joke my wife had was why do we like watching formula one well they race in like texas is the worst location they race in so uh <laughs> that's why but um but and nothing against austin i've been there twice great city but uh but yeah i mean it's i, I think we'll we'll find out a lot about him this weekend and especially on that track if it's wet i just think that he is the driver least likely least likely to throw caution to the wind and just go for it. So I'm fascinated to see how he responds or if he's still a bit unnerved by that crash, because that was a hard crash and I've never raced a car, but I can't imagine what it's like getting back into a car after that. Absolutely. I, I agree with you very much about the fact that we've got three races here. We've got a triple header. We're back to back to back, but I think we're going to have a much clearer perspective on who the potential 2021 champion is going to be after the next three Grand Prix weekend, because you make a great point. We don't know how many more Grand Prix there are going to be this year. Maybe we race a 23 race calendar. Maybe we race a 19 race calendar. I, I don't know if Mexico is going to stand. Brazil is going to stand. I don't know if we're going to have two races in Texas, as I think a lot of people suggest we might. I think ultimately this weekend is incredibly important. And I think there's probably significantly more pressure on Max Verstappen at this point than there is Lewis Hamilton. Lewis, Lewis has faced pressure. He's won championships. He's come from behind to win championships. I think he's in a probably a better mental state. And as somebody said on our Spaces chat earlier tonight, I think Lewis is probably living a little bit rent-free in Max's head right now. And I think Max had four weeks to ruminate and and reflect on the fact that he was leading the championship and now he's not leading the championship going into the back half of the calendar. So I think if Max struggles in Spa, I think it puts him at a real disadvantage in the rest of the championship. But I think, Mark, you make a really you ask a really great question, which is what are the things that we're looking forward to really going into this race weekend? And I think for me, aside from the fact that we've got a really tight championship, both between Mercedes and Red Bull and Max and Lewis, I think 
for me, I'm looking at some other things. I, I want to see how Lance responds in the back half of the season. And we've thrown around an awful, and again, sometimes we're criticized for being Canadian homers, but we've thrown around a lot of Lance slander this year, mm-hmm. mostly because we're frustrated that we see him as a guy that, like Andrew Wiggins, has a ton of talent and shows flashes, but doesn't put together consi- consecutive, like consistent streaks of greatness. And I want to see how Latifi performs. I think the other big one for me, too, is there's this sudden battle for third place in the championship between Mercedes and McLaren. And for so much of the year, I think we had basically locked in McLaren in third place in the championship, that they were going to take the points, that they were going to take that cash. And suddenly we've seen this resurgent Ferrari team with two really solid, consistent drivers in the Claire and Signs. And the other thing that we found out early on in the break is Ferrari's got a power unit upgrade to come. And it's not going to happen in the next three races. It's probably going to happen after Monza, but they've got potentially 10 or 15 additional horsepower on the way, which could be a real advantage in that battle with with McLaren. So for me, I think there's just so many really exciting storylines, even outside of the really obvious ones. And I want to see how Alonso continues to develop this year. I want to see how Gasly continues to develop. But I think there's some really interesting storylines here, aside from even the obvious one, which is going to make the back half of this calendar truly exceptional. Yeah, plus there's also the added twist. I mean, if you look at the the, the, the weather forecast for the weekend, it's going to be cloudy with a chance of showers. It's going to be temperature-wise from the mid to the high 50s or 11 to 15 degrees Celsius. So it's almost fall weather. I mean, you know, we, we haven't even hit the beginning of September here, but it seems like the the... the the seasons have slipped a month almost so it we've seen plenty of wet races at spa over the years i mean 98 was one that stands out in in memory because the entire grid basically got destroyed at the first corner on the first lap at la source and this was of course the the era where they had spare cars and then uh, they went uh, and restarted the race uh, you know uh, you know uh, a, a while after that and that's the famous race when schumacher took off the right hand side of his car when he drove into David Coulthard, who was touring around slowly on the side of the track. But, you know, it uh, it is a great track to watch. And I mean, uh, more recently, we've seen some some drama there. We've seen Ferrari win. We've seen Mercedes win. I mean, Max will want to win there because it's basically a home race for him. And then we're going to Holland to Zandvoort in a couple of weeks. So he's going to want to build on you know, on the extra boost he's going to get from his own fans. And and like you guys say, I mean, there's, there's a lot of questions that are going to be asked of uh, Red Bull. They're going to be asked of uh, Max because Red Red Bull institutionally, they've been there, they've done it before, they know what it takes to win a championship. And Max, he's a young guy, he's a driver that we've basically watched grow up uh, before our own eyes. And Max was saying something that, and I know he tends to sort of like downplay Lewis and his experience, but, and this is almost a little bit to the... Mark's comment how Lewis is kind of living rent-free in his head, and I think that Max saying that Lewis's experience and previous championships don't really factor into things, I, I think that's a way of Max trying to maybe explain away some of the pressure because I, I think there's I don't think there's right. any pressure on Lewis. I mean, he'll want to win a championship to to get that eighth title to be the best ever, but I think that uh, Lewis just going out, good things are going to happen. I think that that Max has more to prove. I mean, he you know he has that quality to be a world champion, but 
until uh, until you're world champion, you're not. So there, there's a lot of pressure that that, that comes along, and we we can draw almost any parallel, not in Formula One exclusively, but almost any other sport where you've had a team or an athlete that's that that has all the hype, has all the talents, but just cannot deliver on the big stage. I, I think that Red Bull will be there to support him, and I, I think that we've seen Max mature over the the year and the years that he's been in Formula One, but still that's that there's there's a long way to go between now and the end of the season and if we lose a couple of races here and there because of uh of, of the pandemic then these the these points that are left on on offer basically become double or nothing in some situations and uh it really could really could become crucial that you know i i, I gotta win today i gotta close this gap Great to call. lewis as small as it might be and has reestablished my lead because if we lose a race or two here and he has a run and you know i have some bad luck again it could all end in tears for max verstappen josh you're nodding your head so i'd love to hear what uh what would you make of the situation i i couldn't agree more i i, I mean it's he just really needs to bear down i think and just show what he's made of and I mean, it's it, it's time for him. I think we've seen he's got the speed. He's definitely got the car this year. I think Red Bull seems to have the upper hand on Mercedes on a lot of tracks, which they they haven't had in recent years. And it's his time. And I I think you're both right in the sense that Lewis is living rent free in his head. And I think Max's comments are a bit of a coping mechanism. I think he just needs to get on the track and show it. And that I'm, I can't wait to see it this weekend or watch, you know, the chaos or the chaos ensue where, you know, they keep knocking each other out and Lando Norris just kind of slips right in there and, and wins the championship and, you know, <laughs> big, big, big upset and all DTS fans are super excited. Um, we'll all twitch with him afterwards. And uh, <laughs> you know. that seems a very 2021 thing to do is go watch Lando live stream on Twitch. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the, the other real consideration here, too, is and we probably shouldn't lose sight of this is you, you look at. You look at Red Bull, this is a team that had a 44-point lead in the championship two races ago, and they now have a 12-point deficit. They've scored just five points in the last two the last two Grand Prix. I really think the other story to watch here is Sergio, because it's not that Red Bull's potentially chasing one championship, it's that they're chasing two. And yeah. obviously, Sergio is going to have to be a really big part of that mission and that that adventure for Red Bull. And the other consideration when you look at Sergio Perez as well is he doesn't have a drive next year. He's got that one-year deal with Red Bull. So as we continue to unpack the storylines here, I think Sergio is going to be a, a big part of that because one, we want to understand where he's going to be next year. And if he continues to struggle, I think we have to assume he's probably not going to get a new deal with that team. But at the same time, he needs to be successful and he needs to score points because he could be the difference between that team winning at least one championship and that team possibly winning no championships. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I just, uh, before we, I, I'm going to put you guys on the spot and uh, get me, give me some uh, predictions here, but to, just to give some uh, some stats and some info on the track itself. So first time the, the Belgian Grand Prix was run was way back in 1925, I think it was. They've had 75 races in Belgium over the years. So, I mean, that's a pretty cool. Spa itself is uh, exactly seven kilometers long, which is uh, 4.35 miles. The race length is 308 kilometers or 191.4 miles 44 laps which seems a little bit uh, kind of disappointing because it seems like it's going to go awfully quick but you have to remember long lap and uh, they're they're basically lapping at about a minute but just under a minute 50 so uh, last year Lewis won it was uh, Bottas second Max third Ricardo had the fastest lap of uh, 147.483 Valtteri Bottas has the all-time lap record there, which he set in 2018. It's 146.286. And, um, well, I- I'm going to let you guys uh, stew over your choices for a, a moment. I'm just going to give you guys uh, just, a- just a reminder since it's been so long, and Mark's touched on a couple of times. Driver standings, Lewis is leading the way with 195 points. Max is second with 187. Wasn't that long ago he had, what, a 25 or 30-point lead. Lando, 113 for fourth. Valtteri Bottas, fourth and Sergio Perez in the second Red Bull rounds out the top five in the construct sorry drivers with 104 points on the constructor side Mercedes 303 points Red Bull 291 and the big interesting battle in the constructors I mean it's tight obviously at the top third is going to be interesting to watch down the stretch Ferrari and Mercedes, sorry, McLaren Mercedes, that is, both even on 163 points. And then you have Alpine rounding up the top five with 77. So, gents, time for predictions. Josh, I'm going to go to you first of all, since you're the guest. Who's going? Let, let's get the podium. Let's. Uh, the, what are your picks for the podium this weekend? Um, I, I know that's a uh, really, really, really big uh, leap. Um, but I'm going with Max Verstappen. Uh, okay. And then I'm going to say that Lewis comes in second. And I'm going to say that Lando, I mean, this is really like, I'm, I'm not going way off the grid here with these picks, but like with Lando Norris coming in third, like I, I just, I just feel, I just feel like that. I feel like this is where we learn that Max Verstappen is going to be in the fight the rest of the season. And he's not just going to challenge Lewis. He's going to beat Lewis this year. I just have that yeah. feeling. And I think this is where we see it. And I think we're going to get another DNF from Valtteri Bottas. No. I just don't feel like. Oh, hot take. He, he, I feel like just all the rumors, everything that's happening, I feel like in the past, he kind of knew he was coming back. He knows the writing is on the wall right now. The comments between him and George Russell um, about an announcement will come when it's ready or something along those lines. We're just not ready for it yet. I mean, it just seems like it's going to happen. I just don't... I totally agree, and I, I keep uh, I've said to Mark a couple of times we chat off of the show that 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 I think that all these sort of little things are going to you know keep happening to Bottas, and uh, ultimately the the decision will be easy. It'll it'll be made totally. for Toto Wolf without him to really think about it. But you know, great picks for for your podium, uh, Josh. I, I'll I have to admit that uh, I was going to call Max and Lewis as uh, one and two. I had a bit. I, I had a. I have a hot take for third as well, but before I divulge my podium well well the 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 mystery third place finisher i want to hear hamilton's pick 
Yeah, so it's not going to be Max Verstappen, and let me share why. Despite the fact that he regularly proclaims this to be his favorite track, he's never led a lap at Spa, and he's never finished better than third. And this will be, I think, his fifth time here, fourth, fifth time there. So he hasn't got a history of success at this track. Now, the track is definitely suited to the Red Bull. It's a fast, wide-open track. It's not super technical. His car should do exceptionally well here. My my sense is I think Sergio is going to have a bit of a bounce-back finish. He's had... I think three top five finishes here in his career. He's typically done well here. He's qualified well here. I, I think Sergio is going to have a good finish. I think Lewis is going to do well. He's won here three or four times over the year. He's always qualified well at this track. I don't know that Max is going to have a great weekend. I think the incremental weather, I think the moisture, I think it could introduce a little bit of chaos. And again, on the show, we never cheer for crashes because that's not what we want to see. But I like to have wet weather because it results in a more unpredictable outcome. I think there's going to be a real surprise on the podium. I think Sergio is going to score well, and I think Lewis is going to score well. But I'm not brave enough to put them in to any kind of order. But Mark, I'm dying to hear your surprise, your mystery guest on your prediction podium. Okay, well, like I said, I agree with uh, Josh. I'm say I'm picking Max for the win. I'm picking Lewis for P2. I'm going Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari for Love P3. It. Yeah, I, I just uh, I have that feeling about uh, Charles and Ferrari is actually kind of surprised uh, recently, and I, I think that we might see a couple surprises from from the Scuderia down down the stretch run here. So that's you know I, I mean I'll probably be com- completely wrong come Sunday afternoon, but hey, it's it's good fun now to to talk about it. But Josh, well, thank you again so very much for taking the time this evening. It was great to get a chance to meet you finally instead of just uh, chatting back and forth and messaging each other. It's uh, been really cool to hear your story and it's really uh it's so awesome to hear how you guys have gone all in on formula one but before you go please uh let everybody know where they can follow you online on social media and all that uh and of course uh you know there's a lot of hockey fans that listen to this show so you guys should definitely uh, check out uh, josh's work and so where can they find you josh at joshua cooper on twitter uh the athletic we have a motorsports vertical make sure to check that out we had a story on drive to survive before season three came out definitely check that out and uh the athletics nhl coverage best around so i think we do a fantastic job Uh, absolutely Well, that's awesome. Thank you so very much. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod. And if you want to get in touch, by all means do so. You can tweet us there or send us an email at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. And that's a wrap. On behalf of myself and Mr. Mark Hamilton and Mr. Josh Cooper, thank you very much for your time. Enjoy the race this weekend. We'll be back on Sunday night to wrap it up. Until then, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the race. And that's it from us. Bye for now.